Welcome to the Fellow Traveler Podcast. I'm your host, Peter Lesperance. Listen in as I host humble discussions exploring the diverse expressions of Christian spirituality, tradition, and beyond. Enjoy, and safe traveling. Welcome back, everybody. Here I am with my good pal, Boris. His name's Andrew, but he goes by Boris. He's not... um. He's not from, I don't know, Poland or anything. His ancestors are probably are Boroshevskis or whatever they they would have been called. But he is Boris and he's zooming in all the way from Los Angeles. How are you doing, Boris? Doing great. Thanks. I'm glad you could join me. Me and Boris go way back. Um, probably almost 15 years or so that we've known each other and ever since we first met each other in high school and junior high we've always we we just inherently had a bond between music and philosophy and and of recent years spirituality and and religion as well it's been really fascinating but boris you're out in LA and tell tell the people why you're out in LA. Sure. So um, I'm out here doing a six week internship with the Los Angeles Catholic worker. Um, so I guess we could talk a little bit more probably about the Catholic worker movement and what that means at some point. Um, of course. I yeah. Know you previously had Mike Boover on who probably talked about that too. And probably much more uh, elegantly and than I could. Um, but um, I'm out here at, in Los Angeles at the Catholic Worker for six weeks, living here, experiencing what life in communities like um, and helping them to run their soup kitchen on Skid Row and doing everything else uh, that they do and that goes into that. So some protesting, um, some supporting strikers that are on strike out here and wow. also, um, just helping to run a house that has like 25 people living in it. So, wow, that must be, that must be nuts. And you've already been gone like what, three weeks now? Yeah. Yeah. This is basically the middle point of the internship today. That's insane. Wow. That's crazy. I definitely will definitely talk some more about that. But to start out with, um, I was really curious, Boris, to hear a little bit about your story in terms of spirituality, religion, faith. And, you know, I remember my earliest memories of our friendship actually were back in the day when we were in high school. And I remember one time in particular, we we had a sleepover in your backyard with our friend Noah and we slept in a tent. And then 
we were like we stayed up super late and i remember i think we all i had just gotten my license so we all got like energy drinks and noah just chugged an energy drink and fell fell right asleep for some reason because who knows and probably his adhd (laughs) that just has like a negative effect an anti-effect with caffeine but then (laughs) but then me and you stayed up late and we like hung out in your the little shed outside and watched the moon rise and set over the pond and then early in the morning we got into like some somehow we got into some sort of discussion about god the existence of god and debating god and at the time you seemed like a pretty ardent atheist which is really fascinating do you remember those days yeah definitely and i remember that night i remember <laughs> you leaving in your car to like drive to 7-eleven and it was yeah. like right around the like 12 to 12 30 grace period you get as like that's a right 17 year old driver and, <laughs> yeah. and having to rush to the store so yeah, yeah I, I, I remember that night back. i was all stressed out about it that's funny oh man Uh, times were simpler but that's that's like a little bit of you know just to kick off but you know tell us a little bit about your spiritual heritage like even thinking back to your parents and your grandparents like what was their um views and experiences when it came to religion and whatnot yeah sure um so just to start um I don't know how great our internet is here. So just let me know if I'm cutting in or out. Um, it's a little choppy, but it's 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 functioning just fine. Okay, good. So um, both of my parents are Roman Catholic and um, their parents were too. So my dad was... Um, Grew up in Webster, Massachusetts, in the Polish-American community there, which is very Catholic. He went to Catholic grade school and everything with uh, nuns, with rulers and all. Um, And my mom grew up in Northborough, and um, my grandfather was kind of pretty typical Irish Catholic, um, and my grandma was Catholic as well, so... Um, my parents are pretty much lifelong Catholics, church, most Sundays, that sort of thing. And I I grew up that way as well. Um, I didn't go to Catholic uh, school or anything, but I went to church every Sunday growing up and went to CCD and all that. Um, But at a young age, I feel like I had a lot of questions about god uh, uh, like i remember at a very young age wondering who made god like god made earth or who made god and like just pulling on threads like that where it was like you know nobody could really give me like a good answer it was always just kind of like oh uh, he, he was just there and uh, that sort of thing and um you know, I can get into the theological aspects of that, but just even at a young age, I had a lot of questions and I never really felt satisfied with the answers that my parents could give me at least. And they're not theologians or anything. Um, you know, they're just kind of devout Catholics. Um, around 14, probably the questions 
got to be enough where I didn't really feel um, like I had a strong belief in God anymore. And I, I didn't really feel connected with mass. Um, I found it pretty boring every Sunday morning. I didn't really get out of it. And I also felt like most of the other people who went to mass just kind of like showed up on Sunday, heard the homily, which was usually like some watered down version of the gospel. And then um, would just kind of go about their lives as if, you know, nothing happened. It's like, you know, maybe for an hour after church, they act a little nicer to their family and then they go back to, you know, white suburban consumerism type situation. Um, so, yeah, in my teenage years, I definitely drifted away from any sort of spirituality and was probably like your typical teenage angsty atheist type dude. Um, and that, that lasted with me throughout most of high school and college. Um, and then I'd say like the turning point for me was probably during the pandemic. I uh, discovered this comedian and podcaster, Duncan Trussell, and um, he has a lot of spiritual folks on his podcast that he interviews from all sorts of different faith traditions, but a lot of them are primarily involved in um, like either Buddhism or um, they're part of like the Ramdas tradition of Mm. maybe you could call it hindu but kind of like new agey hindu new agey in, um, um what do they call far, far eastern religion yeah yeah and i i don't mean new agey in the same way of like crystals and tarot cards but more just uh like syncretic like taking from multiple religions and kind of saying yeah doing that um and also Hare krishnas that he had on um and so I, that uh, led to me just kind of exploring spirituality a little bit more. Um, you know, there'd probably been some stuff before that where I had moved more from atheist to more agnostic over those years. Um, just, yeah, I, I studied independently, not like in school philosophy. And that kind of led me to doubt a lot of things so not just doubting the existence of god but also doubting that i could know god doesn't exist so um, or even uh, i guess doubting, i became less dogmatic doubting reality at some points <laughs> yeah oh yeah yeah solipsism had, uh some pretty intense bouts of like solipsism where i <laughs> questioned everything and a little bit too much probably <laughs> Can you tell the story about the time you were working at the the um, cash register at the local country store in Sutton? Yeah, sure. So, because um, that was pretty early I, on. Yeah, that was probably around twenty seventeen. So I was probably like twenty years. I old. don't know, a junior and junior in college, I would say, around there. Um, and for the listeners, I used to work at um like a gas station slash country store so there was like a deli and a little convenience store and I I worked the cash register there and I was working one Christmas Eve and it was like 
snowing out a little bit, nothing crazy outside. And um, this guy came in and we got to talking and he was telling me he was from Alabama and he was up here like to see his fiance or something. I, I can't remember all the details, but you know, we were having a conversation and then um, he, he was like, kind of like, hey, are you a Christian? And I was like, nah, not, not really. I, like, I'm not really a God person or something like, and um, you know, he was like, very kind. He wasn't like, I don't know, for me, someone like that, if somebody asked me that kind of question, I'm like, don't love answering it. Because I feel like a lot of times it's like, you get judgment if you're like, no, I'm and you know, whatever. Um, but he was like, well, I, I see it in your eyes. You're a good person. And like, like what? something like, you know, one day you're going to believe something along the lines of that. Um, so, but that, I don't know, it was a weird experience I had where I, I felt like, I don't know, just connected with him, like him and um, felt like, like he knew something and there was some truth yeah. in that. Um, almost prophetic you know yeah i i guess so yeah mm -hmm. i remember you you texted me after that experience and i was like i was like that's cool man that was the holy yeah. spirit yeah. i was obviously you know very supportive of of that guy and what he was saying <laughs> <laughs> yeah 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 but he he was just like you know very kind to me and said like just something about like oh i i can tell you're a good person and like you know it it's gonna get you it kind of reminds me of um there's that poem the hounds of heaven mm. i don't know if you know that one um i don't know if i'm familiar with it but i i know that i know mike boover talks about it a lot yeah he named his chapel after that poem um that's right and we were just we were just talking about it here the other day at the work group. that's awesome it's a poem by Francis Thompson, kind of about how God is like a dog and he's always <laughs> on your trail, kind of. Yeah, that's pretty wild. You know, I never heard that kind of analogy growing up. Maybe, you know, from the Gospels, you think of like the Good Shepherd, how he'd leave the 99 to find the one. Kind of that kind of uh, insistence and reckless love, you know, mm. that's really cool. So yeah, around 2020 was like the COVID times. Um, it was funny because I feel like we were both having our own spiritual transformations in tandem. You know what I mean? Like, um, and and in big part due to some folks we we encountered here in Worcester. Yeah, yeah. So um, I mentioned like Duncan Trussell and. Um that like kind of in philosophy to kind of opened my mind up to spirituality i started meditating for a while and found that very rewarding the idea of these things that i had previously said like oh that's all bs i've just opened myself up more to it to like well i'm gonna go about this like i can't say scientifically but you know 
I'll try it and see if it works, you know, that sort of thing, having an open mind to it, even if it isn't necessarily like, quote, my thing. Um, so um, another big piece of my opening up was our mutual friend Brian started uh, a couple of Zoom groups during the pandemic, and we would talk about spirituality and religion but also politics morals ethics the world and just like got to know each other and as you know it was people from like all over the country all different walks of life just like talking about stuff and people with various religious beliefs um and so talking to brian who's a i I guess you think, I think he calls himself a renegade Catholic priest is what he calls himself. Uh, and Trish, who's a female Catholic priest in the ECC. Um, both, both married or on their way to be married at least. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. That kind of opened my idea up to, um, you know, some different forms of the, the faith I grew up in. Um, but really it was meeting Mike Boover. And like, he would always like, feel like he'd stay quiet for like 80% of the Zoom conversation. And towards the end, he'd just like drop some bomb, like of wisdom and love and just deep knowledge of all these like thinkers from the past. And I always admired what he had to say. Um, so I kind of would message him on Facebook, but hadn't actually like even met him in person for a long time, but we'd like chat online um and then so my, mike for people who haven't listened to the podcast started the mustard seed catholic worker in worcester massachusetts 50 years ago and they run a soup kitchen and um i remember it was one day on the zoom group where one of the fellow uh, community zoom members said um I don't always think about what would Jesus do, which is like the classic thing, but I think about where would Jesus be? And he said, he'd probably be at the soup kitchen with Mike Boover serving meals to the hungry. And just like something clicked in my brain right when he said that, I was like, I've got to go to the mustard seed and help out. Um, That's awesome. So I, yeah. So I started going to the mustard seed like once a week, met Mike in person and um, helping out at the kitchen on Wednesdays, serving meals, getting to know people. And um, around that same time, I also went to a work day at the Agape community on Hardwick, Massachusetts, which is um, a Catholic lay community that is... Um, you know, they don't call themselves a Catholic worker, but I, I don't know if they'd agree with me on this, but I would say they're a Catholic worker in everything but name. So um, they live off the land, basically. Uh, they live simply and they have faith included in like every aspect of their life. So I started hanging around them and getting to know Suzanne and Brayton over at Agape and meeting cool people through that and meeting cool people at the Mustard Seed and we have our monthly clarification of thought meetings, which they're called, um, and just talking about different saints and 
the founders of the Catholic worker movement and stuff like that. And um, I guess like it, I became enamored with the Catholic worker because I found like in contrast to the people growing up I was talking about in church who just go to church on Sunday and they've checked the box. Now they can get into heaven because they met their obligation to go to church once a week. Catholic workers were like out kind of living their values in every way. And the more I see it, the more I'm like completely taken aback by it. Like people getting arrested for, um, you know, standing up for their rights with things like plowshare actions, they're called uh, people, you know, serving the poor and serving those in need. And um, not just, not just serving, but joining them and trying to be there in solidarity with them. So, and I found that really cool. Um, just, you know, getting to meet people who, who, for lack of a better term, put their I don't want to say their money, but put their lives where their mouth is. That was really inspiring to me. Yeah. And maybe you can speak a little bit. I know if you, if anybody wants to listen back, go back and listen to, uh, it was one of my earlier episodes with Mike Boover and he, he gets into the history of the Catholic worker a bit, but I mean, from your perspective, I mean, you can give a little short, little summary of the Catholic worker movement, Dorothy Day and Peter Marin, et cetera. Yeah, sure. So the worker was founded, I want to say in 1933. Um, I might be off or two by a year. Yeah, 1933. I have it here on my phone. Um, by Dorothy Day, who was a former like anarchist radical who wrote for like communist and socialist papers. And then after her daughter was born, converted to Catholicism. Um, so she became a devout Catholic a little bit later in life. And Peter Morin, who was a French peasant uh, who came to the United States and he was formerly or working towards becoming a Christian brother at one point and was very well educated, uh, not through the traditional education system, but he read a lot on philosophy. And so the two of them uh, started a newspaper in New York in the 1930s called The Catholic Worker. Um, and it was in a similar style to um like a communist paper called the daily worker and it was kind of like presenting like catholic ideas um in a way that would appeal to working people and incorporating catholic social teaching um and advocating for the poor and advocating for the workers and um other people who are oppressed uh, um in a way that could speak to Catholics and the people that it was talking about. Um, so they started a newspaper and, and uh, part of what they preached was that people should start houses of hospitality, um, which would be places for uh, people without houses or people who struggled to find a meal could go to and uh, be served. So, but they didn't actually set out wanting to start their own 
but people just started showing up at Dorothy's house, which is where the newspaper was printed and saying like, hey, you wrote about this, so you uh, you should do what you say. So they rented out some rooms and that's how the first Catholic worker was started. It's wild. Um, yeah, and it's it's grown a lot since then. So it started off as just uh, basically a, a little place in New York. Um, and now there are over 200 houses and farms around the world. Um, there's, you know, every Catholic worker is different and they're Christian anarchists. So they're not super uh, organized uh, in terms of like a, a global governing body or anything like that. There's nothing like that. So um, if you wanted tomorrow, you could stick a sign in front of your house and say we're a Catholic worker and nobody could tell you you're not. Um, but, you know, there's there's a wide spectrum in beliefs and what they do. So there's Houses of Hospitality, which is like where I'm at now, the Los Angeles Catholic worker. Um, and we're kind of like a commune where um, there's like seven community members who live here. And then the other rooms are guests and they're people that uh, need a place to stay or that feel like um, the LA Catholic worker might be the best place for them to stay, but they're not um, fully engaged in all the day-to-day -day community life, like running the soup kitchen or cooking the meals for the house. Um, and then there's other interns here right now and such. But that's kind of the idea of a house of hospitality. A lot of the houses of hospitality do additional services like a soup kitchen or um, they're involved with um, running a shelter on the side or um, they're involved in the prisons somehow. Um, and there's also farms, which are kind of this back to the land idea that is a running theme in the Catholic worker movement as well. That's awesome. And one of the cool things about our dear friend Mike Boover here from Worcester is that he knew he met Dorothy Day as long as, as well as many others. He never met Peter Morin because he passed away before he was born. But he met like Dan Berrigan and Phil Berrigan and um he even met Teek Nat Han. Like he's he's known so many cool people. It's like in he's an incredible window into the Catholic worker world because he's just so steeped in it. And yeah. one of the cool things too is that he wrote that uh, he wrote uh, a biography of Dorothy Day, right? He Did wrote a book called 15 Days of Prayer with Dorothy Day. Oh. So that's his book on Dorothy. And it's different writings and then reflections and things of that nature. So it's like a daily prayer type thing for, and it has 15 different um, things of Dorothy's writings and other stuff. That's wicked cool. I thought yeah. he had written a, a biography, or maybe he gave you a biography or something. He uh, he did give me the Ammon Hennessy's autobiography, who's another oh, uh, yeah. kind of early important person in the Catholic worker movement. Yeah, I, you know, I was curious to hear a little bit about, like, um, what are some of your influences in terms of, you know, faith, and justice work and spirituality and whatnot. And, was, and I'm sure Eamon Hennessy is one of those. 
Yeah. So I guess I can elaborate a little more on like where I'm at with my faith journey now. Um, I'm still, I would say in the agnostic camp, but um, exploring spirituality much more. And I would call myself a spiritual person. I'm more, um, I was talking to a guy here, Josh, in the community about it. And he said, oh, you're a seeker is what he said uh-huh. so you know sure <laughs> trying out different things i like learning about different things but i haven't like found anything yet that um is where i'm like oh this yeah i lost you on a mystical I lost you after you said speak a uh, seeker. Um, but I love learning. Um, they live out values in a way that appeals to me. You heard me say, Josh called called me. He said, "Oh, you're a seeker." Yes, yes. And then what did you say um, after that? I lost you there. And yeah, sure. I was saying I'm still exploring all spirituality and kind of toying with all of it and grabbing things that I find are useful to me. Um, I'd say I'm a spiritual person, but I don't, you know, really connect with one thing, especially. Um, but I do connect with the Catholic worker um, mm-hmm. because they're people that seem to live out their lives and have values that are very similar to mine. Um, and not every Catholic worker is Catholic, which is a cool thing about it, which is kind of complicated. But yeah. <laughs> Um, well, it seems to be quite an ecumenical group for sure. Yeah, like it's they have their... Catholic and its roots. Yeah, but there's, um, but I mean, I I feel like I could be, you know, Catholic worker if I really wanted to. You know, it's like anybody could be a Catholic worker, <laughs> and they've had. Yeah. I mean, they have Jewish and Buddhist, um, all sorts of people in there. It's really neat. <clears throat> yeah, and different communities are more um catholic than others so some are very tied in with the the faith aspect and others really just focus on the works of mercy Mm -hmm. yeah it's it's really fascinating and and i think the really the two go hand in hand like the whole aspect of like work and pray ora et labora Mm. um that there's the faith inspires the work and the work increases the faith and and also it bears witness um i like uh the words of like cornell west when he talks about like i'm I'm not here to like be anything special but just to bear witness to um you know the plight of of those who were considered the, the least of these you know and um Kind of to speak prophetically to our modern, our day, our, the moment in time, and especially like when you're in a place that is full of so much injustice and inequity as LA, you know, it's like, yeah, uh, it's really crazy. And you know, yeah. I, I was really interested to hear some of your other experiences. I, I remember you, oh. To go back in time, you were working at Agape. That's where I cut you off. Oh, yeah. Um, but yeah, before so I you... did work. 
But if, before you started before you started working at Agape, though, you went on a little um, what you stayed at a hermitage. Remember that? Yeah. So um, after college, I worked in wealth management for close to four years, and <clears throat> um, after a while, especially kind of the pandemic made me stop and think and reanalyze things and um the zoom group that we were talking about earlier the volunteering at the mustard seed as well as the george floyd protests kind of opened my eyes to a lot of things that i'd been ignorant of before and had not you know fully considered so all of those things led to me kind of reconsidering what I wanted to do with my life. I had gone into wealth management kind of with this hope that I could make a lot of money young and retire super early and then not have to like participate in the system for the rest of my life and be on a rat race. But I felt like I was um, chasing that goal and looking ahead and feeling like okay i have to sell 20 years of my life away to like be able to enjoy the rest of it and wasn't feeling good about that and at the same time i was really helping the rich get richer and then going to the mustard seed and these other things and seeing like what real poverty looks like so um I knew I wanted to leave my job, but I didn't really know what I wanted to do. And I did a um, stay in the hermitage at Agape. And they, so at Agape, they're out in the woods, out by the Quabbin Reservoir in Massachusetts. And uh, they have a hermitage, which is like a little log cabin with no electricity and no running water, just kind of up on this hill behind the main community. So I went there in like February of 2022 last year. Um, and it was snow out and cold, but there was a wood stove there. And I kind of just spent the weekend reflecting on what I wanted to do and what I should do next. And um, I didn't really get any like real answers, you know, like right in that moment, but it helped me to come to terms with like feeling like I'm really not happy in my current job and I want to do something different. And um, I went on this walk down to the Quabbin Reservoir, which is like just a really beautiful place. and. I remember on the walk back, I was um, kind of just like saying out loud all the things I felt grateful for and and just felt like a sense of like love from the world and the universe. And um, that was definitely like one memorable spiritual experience that I've had um, of just feeling like I'm connected with everything. and um grateful to be here and I didn't feel that way going in every day to an office necessarily um so eventually um 
few weeks later, Agape posted that they were hiring an office manager. And I was like, okay, here's my chance to leave my job. So I, I took that job and um, worked there for like six months in their office and got to meet a lot of really cool people um, and got to spend a lot of time with the co-founders, Suzanne and Brayton, who are, um, have just been doing, you know, resistance for like 40 years. They live under taxable income, so they don't have to pay war taxes. And they have been arrested a number of times, sticking up for causes they believe in and um, are committed to simple living, the the Peter Morin back to the land, green revolution type thing. So um, there are people that try really hard to live out their values. And it was great to spend a lot of time with them. Um, eventually they went on sabbatical. So they laid me off and I ended up finding a job at a homeless shelter over this past winter. And, um, that was a real learning experience for me too. And part of my, um, journey of feeling like, uh, ever growing compassion for people who are in that situation and just getting to know a lot of people who you know, we're homeless and struggle with addiction and are the victims of, you know, all of the weight of our society. So um, that was a really unique experience and part of my journey too. Um, maybe yeah. not spiritual directly, but it's had a big impact on me. You were rode hard and put away wet during those, those several months. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I, worked the night shift and I was working like 60 hours a week and that was definitely hard on my on my mental health for sure yeah were there any, any, any I, I will say I, oh, yeah. I got a lot out of it and I'm, I'm glad that I did it and I have made so many connections through it I, w I wouldn't change having done it I was wondering if there was any notable stories out of that experience that you could share? Yeah, I, I can think of one story that's kind of been on my mind lately. Um, so there was a guy at the shelter and I won't say his name for his privacy and everything, but um, he really kind of drove me crazy, honestly. Like he... Um, he was always butting himself into other people's business. He was kind of, um, you know, sometimes he was like a bit of a neg negative influence on other people and would enable people's drug habits in a way. Um, and was he just complained a lot about everything, you know, oh, the food, the floor, the bathrooms. So he drove me a little nuts, to be honest. Uh, and I struggled sometimes to have compassion for him because he just got under my skin a little bit. Um, but one night I came into work at midnight and someone had come into our shelter um, and our shelter was at capacity. So we had to bring them over to another shelter. So I was tasked with, okay, drive this person, you know, the 
couple miles or whatever it is over to the other shelter in the city. Um, and the guy kind of pulled me aside and he, he said like, oh, I noticed this person like showed up with like, uh, I don't remember what, but for some reason he thought the person who was dropped off at the shelter had come from a mental health institution. So he was like, I'm gonna ride with you um, just to make sure, you know, that they're safe and everything, which I wasn't really worried about, but I thought I was thoughtful anyway. We dropped the person off at um, the, the other shelter, no issues. And uh, so I decided I wanna to go to Duncan. And I, I said, hey, thank you for coming along. I'll grab you a coffee. Um, and he was like, cool. So on the way um, to Duncan, we passed um, some business and he just mentioned like, oh, hey, I, I redid their roof like um, not super long ago. I was like, oh, really? You, you know how to do like roofing and stuff? And he was like, yeah, I actually used to own two businesses. I was like, really? And he was like, yeah, um, I owned like, I think it was a landscaping business and a construction business or something like that. And he was like, they were very successful. I was like, oh, wow. He's like, yeah, I used to own a house, have some cars, um, and I used to run these businesses, had people working for me, and I had been clean for like a long time. And I was like, wow, damn, man, like what, I, you know, and I had built some relationship with him at this point. I was like, so how, like, how did you end up here? And he told me um, that his daughter had killed herself and that wow. he just couldn't keep it together after that. And like in that moment, I just felt such compassion for him, you yeah. know, like I, and it just made me understand like, yeah, he drives me a little bit crazy <laughs> sometimes, but man, like such strength to still be going and you know like he would talk to us and he would be kind to us sometimes and I just felt like I had maybe like hardened my heart a little bit too much you know and Absolutely. when I learned his story you know I was able to to just like love him and understand like where he was coming from and um i that's just like one story mm -hmm. but i feel like every time i was at the shelter i learned somebody's story it was i could just feel my heart growing and knowing that you know we've all been hurt and we've all you know faced difficulties but a lot of the time the the people that are the most mistreated by our society and that now have a lot of issues are homeless have drug addictions are people that have already had trouble things happen to them and i think most people just don't want to acknowledge that and they want to just paint them as you know lazy or 
you know, not working hard enough, but there's, there's so many people out there who, um, you know, are trying hard and are doing their best. And because of the structures of our society, of capitalism, of, you know, racist institutions, classism, all of that, it's hard for them to break out. And I should add the disclaimer, just because somebody's lazy doesn't mean they don't deserve love either. So even even, even if they are know, everybody lazy. deserves our love. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. I, I don't think most people are, but I just mean to say that that doesn't mean anyone deserves to not have food or not have housing or medical mm. care or anything like that. So Yeah. Um, it's really powerful but yeah, story. That, yeah, it it's something that stuck with me ever mm. since, you know, and it made me see everyone in a different light. Mm. That's what happened to me as well when I uh the first time I helped out at the mustard seed, there was one woman in particular that I met and I was just asking her a few questions and you know, she was asking me questions and I could tell she was really nervous and anxious. And you know, I could tell that she struggled with some real, like, um, generalized anxiety and, and depression, maybe like neurotic kind of stuff. And she, it wasn't like because of drugs or anything. I think she experienced some, I could just tell she's experienced some severe trauma at some point because she was afraid to leave her home. And, and even though she, she had a place to live, you know, she would come down to the mustard seed to get a meal every once in a while just just because mm. you know it's expensive food is expensive and yeah but like she I could tell she was terrified to be out of her house you know and and that really um just made me think wow there are there's so many factors behind the way be, people behave and the things that people do and, and the circumstances that people live in that like we don't even know but yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it's really cool. Even, I mean, I feel like we've had a lot of discussions about like the, the uh, power of empathy. There's something about when um, when you get stabbed with the empathy vaccine, it, <laughs> it, it um, makes you have, it forces you to change and deconstruct the way you think and whatnot. It's really fascinating. And that was... Um, that's an organization called Open Sky here in Worcester. But it was yeah, the sowing yeah, sowing seeds of hope. That and was Boris, the name of the shelter, yeah. Yeah, the sowing shelter. seeds of hope. And Boris and I had the pleasure of playing with this band called the Torn It Down All Stars, and we did a benefit concert for Sowing Seeds of Hope back in, in May, um, reimagining the U2 songs from Joshua Tree. That was really cool. <laughs> one small yeah, way we could use fun. our talents to make an impact and i think they raised like over three thousand dollars which you know it's pretty good yeah but yeah that was really cool and then um ever since once the the shelter closed i remember one one of my favorite um memories actually it, of like a church-like experience was when brian um on the last day of the shelter he ran a like mass essentially in the shelter with all with whoever was hanging around (laughs) 
and people were yelling at each other and people were getting angry and all flustered and but he just like kept re reading the mass as he was going through and kind of ignoring the craziness but also just being a voice of of calm and non-anxiousness and and it was really beautiful and the way he he explained the eucharist and um and we came up with impromptu songs that we could sing <laughs> it was really a powerful moment especially yeah. for people these people who you know in the catholic tradition you need to be predisposed you know properly disposed in order to receive the elements you know but in this setting it was an open communion for all people which which is really beautiful for people who you know they don't have the privilege of feeling comfortable in church and feeling comfortable in front of a priest they go to a priest and ask for you know for forgiveness and do confession and, and do all those things that are necessary for for receiving eucharist in catholic church so it was just beautiful for it to be open and available and for everyone to be included it's really cool yeah yeah i definitely have fond memories from that mass bittersweet feelings about that day mm -hmm. um because the shelter was a temporary shelter so at a certain point we you know the city m money ran out basically and they shut their doors um so it was a bittersweet day but i'm glad there was that beautiful moment during the day but i know on a on a positive side i don't know if i lost you bobo you still there i'm here okay on a positive side i did i do remember them sharing at the the benefit concert that they were able to get like 80 or 90 people um somewhere to live which is like yeah really cool testament to the power of that organization and the people who run it and are involved with it including yourself now you you that's your full-time job is that right yeah i work for um adult community clinical services at open sky so it's um helping adults who have mental health issues to reach their goals is the easiest way i could put it mm. and what and that's made full-time gig when i'm not at the worker right yeah. now <laughs> And what made you want to apply to the LA Catholic Worker? So last year, um, Worcester actually hosted the Catholic Worker National Gathering. Um, so Catholic workers from all of the country. And then I think also a guy from the Netherlands came, which was pretty cool. You know, there was um, one guy from Puerto Rico that I ran into and I ended up driving him back to the bus station. And I've been trying to get in contact with him, but he hasn't answered. But he was this one guy. Mm -hmm. If you ever, if you ever find out what happened to Jose Peguero, but he wants to open a Catholic worker in Puerto Rico, and you know, I'd love to help him facilitate that if that's possible. But anyway, I digress. Cool. Yeah. So um, when I was here, I met some folks, Matt and Jed, and their friend Theo, who had previously lived at the Los Angeles Catholic Worker. Um, and just spent some time 
hanging out and they were cool younger people involved in the movement a lot of the folks in the movement are a little bit older so it's just always nice to connect with some younger people who are into the same stuff um and they kind of just like planted the seed of like hey uh i we know you have like a full-time job and you're on stuff going on here but um you'd be welcome to come out for our internship program in the summer and uh at first i didn't think much of it but then i don't know something about it just kept calling back to me of like yeah you know what that would be really cool to go to los angeles and see a soup kitchen on skid row and really be able to take in like this city that so obviously has like the uber wealthy on one side and then like some really you know a lot of homeless people out on the streets and living in tents and people that do have homes but are struggling just to make ends meet so i kind of wanted to, to see that for myself and be able to learn from that and i also wanted a chance to kind of try out doing the real deal catholic worker thing where you're you're living in community and it's your full-time gig versus um you know i'm just a volunteer at the mustard seed there there's not a live-in community attached to that it's just all volunteer run um so i wanted to see what it would be like to live in intentional community with other people um so i i kind of mentioned it offhandedly on zoom one time to uh, theo the guy who used to live here and i think he visited and said hey boris is thinking about doing it and he called me up and they're like hey so i heard you're thinking about doing it and i, I don't know just like them calling me made me feel like all right yeah i'm gonna do it so um, that's awesome. that's kind of how i got here that's amazing and how many other interns are there with you there's um, six interns total, so five other people. And it's pretty cool. Um, everybody's from all over the country. So one person is from the area, Orange County and Santa Cruz, kind of back between. Uh, another person from Chicago, one from Texas, one from Ohio. And then my roommate's actually from Germany. So all over. Wow, that's really diverse it's incredible yeah yeah and then like what does it look like what's it, what's it like living in the community yeah it's it's pretty good great like um everybody's at least all the interns and everybody i can see everybody's getting along really well um every day is a little bit different so um for three of the days of the week we are at the hippie kitchen on skid row serving uh we're prepping meals and serving them and um just kind of hanging out with people in the garden that they have there um and taking care of that and then on wednesday mornings we do a vigil so it's kind of like a little protest where we just bear witness to different issues um so we've done housing and an anti-war vigil and might do some other ones as well to bring attention to causes that might not always get the attention they deserve. Um, 
and then as part of the internship there's some other things like lectures or uh different educational things like we watched a documentary on dorothy day the other day and then there's some fun stuff too like some happy hours with different friends of the community um and some pool parties and things like that and then this summer we're doing free picnics where we take uh some people from skid row and we go out to a park about 20 or 30 minutes outside the city and uh grill up some hot dogs or burgers or whatever and just hang out in a place that's um not all concrete with them wow you must be really busy then <laughs> it's busy but we have uh sundays and mondays pretty much off that's nice um so a chance to rest and a chance to like explore the city a little bit on our own um and there are some other responsibilities too like there's a different person on the house every day we call it and uh their job is to like clean the house clean the bathrooms sweep up wipe down tables um answer the phone answer the door and to cook the meals for the people that are at the house. So that's another kind of part of being in the community is taking on that responsibility here and there. I'm sorry, someone was firing off uh, fireworks. I don't know if you heard it. <laughs> no, I, I, oh, I missed you didn't? that. <laughs> it was really loud. Well, hopefully it wasn't gunshots, I don't know, but I think it was fireworks. Um, so that's really cool. And then have you gotten the chance to visit any local churches or like, do they have any lo a local church that's kind of connected to the Catholic worker? Yes. So um, we do. I lost you. We're here every Wednesday night. So one's ever in the we do liturgy at the house every Wednesday night. So that's open to anyone and it's um, different priests or different people or people from other faith traditions that lead us in liturgy. Um, and then the one cool thing is we do a shared homily. So um, usually the person leading will give their reflection on the, the readings and stuff, but also anyone else is in their thoughts on the gospel reading and other things or or just what's on their mind and then afterwards we do a pop buddy so that's a great way that the extended community can come together with us um and they're also connected with this little church called dolores mission um which is uh in our neighborhood here boyle heights um it's a jesuit community um so I'll, a lot a lot of the members of the community here go to church there every sunday um and dolores mission has a long history they um are kind of the home church of father greg boyle who is pretty well known um, among catholics and other people he um as well as the church Dolores Mission started Homeboy Industries, which is the largest gang rehabilitation organization in the world, I think. Um, and I actually just went to their 
offices today to get a tour, which was pretty cool. Um, so they've done that. They have a school and they do a lot in terms of community building. And also the priests there give like awesome homilies. So I've gone twice while I'm here. I'm not normally a church going dude at all, but I've really um, enjoyed things at Dolores Mission just because the homilies are so great. And I'd say they are true to the radical, you know, Mm. nature of the gospels of yeah you know how how radical the message really i think is meant to be um they tend to preach that and build community and also they have some really bomb food after a church made by some of the local families oh yeah i bet you're getting so some really hurt. great I bet you're getting some really great mexican food out there yeah, it's uh it's it's the best. Yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> you know, um uh, that's really cool. It kind of when you were talking about the Wednesday liturgy, it kind of reminds me of like a uh the Quaker meetings, right? Where they have kind of like the open service. That's cool yeah. that they're able yeah. to allow everybody to kind of participate and and get and share as the spirit leads them. Yeah, the Catholic workers, ideally all about uh, breaking down hierarchies and that mm. sort of thing. So it's fitting that uh, liturgy would be that way. And I hope you can't hear the ice cream truck that's parked outside our house right now. I think I hear something very faintly, but it's not interfering. It's not as loud okay. as the fireworks, <laughs> so I think we're good. <laughs> but um, I was curious to talk a little bit about like the philosophy philosophies or even theologies that have inspired you you know the catholic worker movement i think what's fascinating about it is it, is it seemed to have like developed in tandem with the developments of liberation theology in like latin america which which really developed later on so the, it feels like the catholic worker movement was kind of ahead of its time in a lot of ways yeah I'm curious, like um, what are your thoughts on some of those philosophies or even political theories that have kind of um, uh, inspired you in terms of like justice and public life? Yeah. Um, so the worker and the writings of Peter Morin and Dorothy Day have definitely inspired me in a lot of ways. Um, most notably, I would say uh, the idea idea of personalism which is the idea is basically like if you think something should be done just do it yourself um so rather than tell your elected official that you think we need more food or more housing the idea is like i have food to give I have a room for somebody to stay in. So I'm going to do that um, and kind of lead by example is the idea. Um, there's a lot more to it than that, but at its root, that's what it's about is if you feel like something should be done, you um, in Peter Morin's book as a Christian, in my book, just any of us as people have a personal obligation 
to help out and do what we feel called to get done. Um, and that's the idea of the behind so much of the Catholic worker. So that idea has been inspiring to me. Um, reading Emma Hennessy's autobiography where he's really big on that and um, you know didn't pay more taxes or any taxes for most of his life. He was constantly out protesting um, and was just living in his life life in a very peculiar way, but it was the way that he felt like he had to do it um, and felt like it had to be done. That was inspiring to me. Um, more spiritually, I've been inspired a lot by Ram Dass and those folks um, associated with him and the, the general idea of just being present in the moment and being here now. Um, that's been useful for me. Um, I, I honestly don't know as much about liberation theology i took a class in college that like touched upon it i know oscar romero is like a cool dude um gutierrez and i know i know um you know a lot of it aligns with you know what the catholic worker is about um absolutely so and i know like i guess i can speak like my what I love about, you know, Christianity and, and Jesus is like, I feel like the Sermon on the Mount really gets to like the heart of it, you know, where it, it's just like this idea of giving yourself away to the greater good and of serving others um, and kind of that idea of like, if I have an extra coat in my closet and somebody else needs a coat i should give them that coat <laughs> that kind of uh, idea of like i so don't simple. own anything i just have what i need yeah mm. yeah it's simple but it's radical too it's minimalist you know? it's radical well it's, and, it's ra uh, minimalism is radical to our modern society for sure Materialistic. Right, right but also you know loving people you don't understand um loving the people you disagree with mm, loving um, enemies loving both the oppressed and the oppressor as extremely difficult as the latter mm. can be at times yeah. um that's like the what i get as like the radical message of the gospels not that i've like read every single one mm. or studied the bible extensively but that's what's spoken to me and that's, you know, what I take away from it. And that's been a big influence on me when I think about, you know, the life of Jesus and what inspires me. It's kind of that radical love that speaks to me. Mm, for sure. And, you know, Jesus always wanted us to keep it simple too. He, he was like, if you want to enter the kingdom of God, be like these children. And, and children don't have uh, in intricate uh, systems of belief. They just, they just trust and they do. Yeah. Right. Like they don't, right. they don't really think about it. They just do what's right in front of them. And, and I think ultimately like we're not, yeah, we should, 
of course, try to change the system, but I like that idea of personalism because oftentimes I want to just delegate it off to politicians, you know, but yeah, it is, um, it's challenging and yeah. to, to be like, well, what can I do? You know? Uh, yeah. What can and I, Peter what, Morin talked about, sorry, uh, the lag is making me talk over you a little bit. You're good. You're good. Um, but Peter Morin talked about uh, the idea of building a new society in the shell of the old. And that's um, something kind of important to the worker. So it's not that we are just accepting this system for what it is and then choosing to give housing or to give out food. But it's like we're working towards building a new society right now. We're not going to wait around for anyone else to do it. So it's not a passive ideology of like oh well you know leave the government doing what they're doing it's like no we're we're in resistance to all the evils of war and uh, this you know rigged corrupt system um but we're not just gonna wait for them to change we're gonna build our our vision of what it should be right now as best we can yeah, because I feel like there's there's some forms of anarchism where which are more like libertarian anarchy, where it's more like I'm just going to take care of myself and not wait on the government to take care of me. Whereas like this is more focusing on what can what can, can we create a sub community that takes care of the community and not wait for the government. It's not like it's not like we we want to be anarchists just because we want to take care of ourselves, but rather trying to create a sub culture within the culture that's actually doing the work you know right yeah and not um every catholic worker is like a strong anarchist it's more mm -hmm. everybody sees that there's a lot rotten in the current system and we want to change it and we're not going to wait or ask the system nicely hey will you please change it would be really cool if you did um we go out for be they whatever um catholic workers people associated with the movement go out and try to to make that change themselves uh through direct mm -hmm. action yeah so liberation theology was heavily heavily in um influenced by marxism because, you know, you had the, obviously, 400, 500 years of colonization in Latin America. And then the response to that in the mid-20th century was the communist revolution, where they were like, no, we're going to take care of one another. And obviously, they didn't do a very good job of it, because <laughs> you had, like, some crazy authoritarian governments. But it was in reaction to authoritarian capitalists crony capitalist governments so it's like it was kind of i guess the lesser of two evils in a sense but what's fascinating i'm really fascinated with your thoughts on marxism and if it has any overlap with like kind of the philosophy of jesus and whatnot yeah um marx was definitely like one influence on peter morin who's influenced me and i have you know, explored the teachings of Marx. I don't think I would be one to call myself like a Marxist ne necessarily, 
Um, but I, I think the critical lens of capitalism and the critical look towards the structures of power and society um, are, are much needed. And I think that's where, you know, I, I don't know if Marx's solutions to everything were the right answer um, and they ended up wrong in how they were acted out a lot of the time. But uh, the critical lens towards the power structures um, it has definitely been eye-opening. And in my opinion, you know, Jesus and other, you know, people who you could say are prophets, Martin Luther King and Gandhi and others um, have all also been critical of power structures and challenged them. So, um, and I, I think capitalism, which Marx critiques is definitely was, you know, capitalism was not really around when Jesus was around um, or it looked very, very different. It wasn't modern capitalism by any means. So um, it's a different power structure, but um, it's still like, I think being critical of that is part of what people who wanna follow in the way of Jesus would do um, and analyze how does this affect people? Um, and how does this end up? So it's like, there's nothing wrong inherently with doing transactions over money. But when we look at the greater system and, and see that, okay, people are struggling to put food on the table, people are struggling to pay for housing, there's thousands of homeless people on the streets um, and meanwhile, our governments are just bailing out corporations all the time. Right. Yeah. But they um, don't want to pay help kids, uh, you know, students with their loans. <laughs> I don't I don't mean to speak for, you know, anybody, but I don't think Jesus could look at this system and and say. This all looks good to me, you know, so I Absolutely. think that's the overlap is. Um, the the critical lens allows you to see where the power structures are and i think love is what helps us to fight against them mm. yeah that's beautiful i was wondering as we come to a close you could maybe just share uh, a story of something that's kind of inspired you on on just your you know first three weeks so far on uh, in out in la and even if it's inspired some sort of faith or just, you know, anything deep with inside you, just curious if you had any story. Yeah, there's nothing that's like coming to mind, like right off the bat. Um, but there's been moments where I've just felt a deeper connection, um, you know, on the picket line, with the hotel workers out here who are currently striking um, and just getting to talk with them even just a little bit and, you know, hear about how, you know, they're mistreated and fighting for basically 
you know, living wages, but a lot of it boils down to just some level of dignity. Um, getting to serve people in the hippie kitchen and talk with them and hear their stories and and maybe not even hear their stories all the time, but just a chance to like share that human connection with those folks. Um, and even here at the community, just like getting to know people and and breaking bread together and sharing time together, you know, it's um, it's all led to this feeling of like, you know, deeper and deeper connection with, you know, all people and all things. Yeah, that's wonderful. Well, that's awesome, Boris. We're all really proud of you. Keep it up. Enjoy your last three weeks. And I'm excited to see you again when I when I come back from my vacation in Pennsylvania. We have a wedding we got to sing at. So <laughs> for actually our friend Brian Ashmakis, who also I interviewed a few months back. So it's a small world here on The Fellow Traveler. <laughs> yeah, I, that reminds me of uh, um, just a funny story about a connection I made that I'll I'll tell you another time, um, but yeah. the I feel like the the Catholic worker community is very small, and so even though I'm here on the West Coast, I'm like meeting people that know people on the East Coast. So it's just like, oh, yeah. you know this person. <laughs> it's a small it's, world. Everybody knows each crazy. other. Yeah, that's so yeah. cool. Well, I love to hear it. Well, Boris, keep it up. Thanks for chatting with me. I'm, you know, I've been wanting to talk to you for like nine months now but i'm actually glad i waited until now i think this is a good good point in your spiritual journey to hear your story so absolutely you have a good evening it's getting late on the east coast it's 11 30 here so <laughs> all right we'll get some rest have a good evening lord lord the nature of your wrath it's not an easy path but I'm willing to trust Though I'm dying in the dust